Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokettes and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Wednesday, September 21st, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the show. We made it to the middle of the week. It's hump day, and we've got plenty of news to get to you. We are closing in on Marijuana Election Night 2016, getting all of our big production ready for you on Tuesday, November 8th. We're going to be live from 6 p.m. to midnight Eastern Time here at CannabisRadio.com, bringing you all the latest returns as the polls close from east to west in the nine different states that are voting on statewide marijuana reforms, either legalization or medical marijuana. It's going to be an exciting night. Make sure you get the hashtag MJ Election Night. Follow that on Tuesday, November 8th for all the latest news as well. On today's show, we've got all sorts of great information for you in the cannabis community. At half past, we're going to continue our marijuana election night coverage, our preview of the nine states that are voting on marijuana reforms. And we're going to replay our coverage of North Dakota because it hardly gets any mention in the uh, marijuana media. But North Dakota is voting on medical marijuana. We talked with Ray Morgan from the North Dakota Measure 5 campaign, and uh, we'll find out what's going on in that state with its uh, possibility of passing medical marijuana. It's going to be an interesting vote there. We've also got our Hemp Day Hump Day update. We'll get to that at the end of the first hour with Doug Fine, the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail. He contacts us every other week or so to give us the latest updates on what's happening in the world of industrial hemp. A lot of crops out there being planted, harvests are happening, and we'll find out the latest from Doug at the end of the first hour. Also coming up in the first hour, we've got our drug war data mining segment, and we're taking another look at the contributions by the alcohol industry against the initiatives to legalize marijuana in the United States. And we ask the question, are they really that concerned about marijuana legalization as a threat to their profits, or are these just a few of the uh, alcohol industry players that are uh, acting on their own. Before that, we'll get to our Behind the Headlines segment where all of the uh, tabloids are blaring the headlines that Brangelina is no more. Angelina Jolie is divorcing Brad Pitt after 12 years of marriage because he smokes pot. And we're going to talk about that and Angelina Jolie's uh, mistaken views on pot and parenting Right after the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got a story coming to you from our White House, our Attorney General, making a profound statement about marijuana that contradicts decades of propaganda. We also look at Ohio, where the Supreme Court has settled some questions about attorneys and the medical marijuana industry. The city of Nashville has moved forward with its decriminalization, the first in the state of Tennessee. We've got a harrowing story coming out of California where four men were held against their will on a pot farm. 
We've got a story coming out of National Public Radio across the border in Mexico, a new method for getting marijuana into the country. And Kevin Sabet is building up his uh, resume and his portfolio by traveling across the country, taking your money to propagandize against the reforms in nine states this year. That's all in Hour 1. Then stay tuned for Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio. Our phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We'll take a deeper look at the NFL's backwards marijuana policy, a look at Senator Lindsey Graham's evolution on medical marijuana, and the rest of the news stories of the day. Plus your calls, again, at 650-LEGAL-MJ. I'm Radical Russ, live in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We're back with the Cannabis Radio News right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Tommy Chong Show on Cannabis Radio. You know about this podcast. What I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News, covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, September 21, 2016. Attorney General Loretta Lynch contradicted decades of federal government propaganda yesterday when she stated that marijuana use is not a, quote, specific gateway, end quote, to heroin abuse. The so-called gateway drug argument is still a prominent part of the White House's official repudiation of marijuana legalization, which it says, quote, would increase the availability and use of illicit drugs, end quote. 
As reported by Mike Adams and Mary Jane, Lynch was speaking in Kentucky as part of National Prescription Opioid and Heroin Epidemic Awareness Week when she stated that a person with a heroin problem, quote, very often started with a prescription drug problem, end quote. In response to a question about marijuana's culpability in the opioid epidemic, Lynch stated, quote, It isn't so much that marijuana is the step right before using prescription drugs or opioids, adding, quote, It's not as though we are seeing that marijuana is a specific gateway, end quote. Far from being a gateway drug, recent studies have shown access to cannabis reduces the prescription of, the use of, and overdoses from opiates. The Ohio Supreme Court has ruled that attorneys are free to advise their clients who are engaged in the newly legal medical marijuana program without running afoul of ethics regulations. The Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that an advisory opinion issued in August suggested that attorneys could not advise patients and entrepreneurs on matters related to marijuana, since it remains a federally illegal substance. On Tuesday, the court amended the Ohio Rules of Professional Conduct to allow attorneys to, quote, assist a client regarding conduct expressly permitted authorizing the use of marijuana for medical purposes, end quote. However, the new rules do not clarify whether attorneys themselves may use medical marijuana or be involved in the marijuana industry. Nashville's Metro Council has voted to become the first city in Tennessee to decriminalize personal possession of cannabis. The Tennessean reports that the council voted 35 to 3 to give Nashville police the option to cite offenders carrying a half ounce of marijuana or less with a civil violation punished by a $50 fine or 10 hours of community service. Nashville Mayor Megan Berry has said she intends to sign the ordinance, noting that police will still have the discretion to make a misdemeanor arrest under state law, punishable by up to a year in jail and a $2,500 fine. Ironically, some judges observed that purging the civil marijuana infraction from a citizen's record may be more difficult than purging the current criminal charge. Meanwhile, some Republican state lawmakers are threatening to introduce a bill that would suspend state highway funds to cities that don't criminally punish pot offenders. Four men in California say they have escaped from an illegal marijuana grow where they were held captive for six months. Associated Press reports that Calaveras County Sheriff Captain Jim Macedo says his office has arrested two women who ran the grow site. Two of the men were recruited to work as trimmers and were then allegedly held against their will at the camp. Later, two more men were allegedly captured and held by the women. The men escaped in July and found their way to the hospital for treatment of bruises and black eyes. The two women have been charged with suspicion of human trafficking, kidnapping, battery with serious bodily injury, terrorist threats, and drug charges stemming from the 23,000 cannabis plants found at the clandestine grow site. NPR reports that Mexican police have seized a van equipped with a 10-foot air cannon capable of blasting a 60-pound bale of marijuana over the U.S. border. This is just the latest method drug smugglers are using to breach our borders. Other methods still being used include catapults, remote-controlled drones, sophisticated tunnels, private aircraft, boats, and even small submarines. National marijuana prohibition advocate Kevin Sabet is logging thousands of frequent flyer miles to speak out against reform initiatives on the ballot in nine states this election. KFSM-TV reports that Sabet, head of the Project SAM anti-marijuana organization, was in Springdale, Arkansas Tuesday to warn residents of the natural state to reject the two medical marijuana initiatives on the ballot, issue six and seven. Today, Sabet is speaking in Boston, Massachusetts, against the Question 4 initiative that would legalize adult use of marijuana. 
This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Wednesday, September 21, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. I opted for convenience to use my personal email account. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we take a look at the celebrity tabloids, which are blasting the news that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are no more. The breakup of Brangelina has been prompted by Angelina Jolie filing for divorce uh, after 12 years of marriage to actor Brad Pitt. Pitt, and according to the most prominent of the uh, sources out there, TMZ, uh, that is uh, reporting on this, it wasn't cheating. It wasn't uh, Brad Pitt fooling around uh, with other women that broke them apart, but it was marijuana, specifically the fact that Brad Pitt loves marijuana <laughs> and has for a long time. Uh, Angelina Jolie has decided that that creates an inappropriate environment for their children. So uh, these are according to the uh, initial reports in the tabloids. Again, these are rumors unconfirmed at this point, but uh, sourced by some people close to the couple. And uh, this is a very, uh, a very troubling development. I'm kind of uh, disappointed in Angelina Jolie over this. Uh, the use of marijuana by Brad Pitt is something that's been known for a very long time, uh, we saw him first in the movie uh, True Romance, and in that uh, in that movie, there was a lot of uh, reference to pot smoking, and it's been uh, there's been numerous stories about uh, uh, Brad Pitt and his use of marijuana. Quentin Tarantino uh, 
talked about uh, smoking with Pitt. And uh, on Real Time with Bill Maher, uh, Brad Pitt was once on the show in 2009 talking about uh, the joints he had rolled at a party. He and Bill Maher talking about the, the fun they had shared over marijuana. And uh, this was fairly well known, but Angelina Jolie has been making some, uh, has been pressuring him about this uh, use. Uh, it first came to my attention in around 2011. He had an interview with uh, Parade Magazine where he said, uh, quote, I started to get sick of myself sitting on a couch, holding a joint, hiding out. It started feeling pathetic. He also uh, questioned whether or not his, uh, his marriage to Jennifer Aniston that uh, broke apart uh, could have been uh, blamed a bit on his cannabis use. This is uh, very disturbing to me because the, uh, the cons- this, this assumption that people that use cannabis in their personal life are somehow creating a bad message or environment for the children is one of the saddest, most hackneyed excuses I've ever heard. Uh, and I've heard it many a time uh, in, in the uh, cases of people that end up going to Child Protective Services where one ex is vindictive and uses the other ex's cannabis use against them for the purposes of the, uh, the family court, as far as uh, observations and, and, and visitation rights and custody rights over the children. And it's always the marijuana-using parent that gets screwed. Even in the states where marijuana use uh, is accepted for medical or even recreational purposes. Now, there are a handful of states that have moved forward with protections for parents to, so that their marijuana use cannot be used against them. Indeed, uh, California's Prop 64 includes within it protection for medical marijuana patients and their child custody rights. But this idea of Angelina Jolie's that it's somehow a bad influence or a bad environment is not backed up by science, by studies, or even by anecdote. We see plenty of cannabis-consuming parents who are good, thoughtful, responsible parents who raise wonderful children. The only dangerous environment that is created by one parent's use of cannabis is the possibility that police may break down the door and start firing their weapons inside and putting the children in danger that way. But for a couple like Brad and Angelina, first of all, I would assume that they're living in California where Brad Pitt could very easily have a medical recommendation for the use of cannabis and a state that's going to be legalizing cannabis and legalizing it with parental protections seems to me to be a state that doesn't find cannabis use to be that big of a problem for parents. The other problem that I've got with Angelina Jolie's attitude in this respect is her splitting up the family and removing these kids' father from their lives, even if it's only a somewhat, you know, a partial, if they've got, you know, shared custody or, or part-time visitation or whatever, you're still taking a man out of his kids' lives, a father out of his, their kids' lives over his use of marijuana, which does not seem to be causing Brad Pitt any problems professionally or legally 
or economically in any way. Shame on you, Angelina Jolie, for blaming Brad Pitt's pot use for the problems in your marriage. And my condolences to Brad Pitt as as a man who's going to be whose family is going to be impacted by this. I smelled some marijuana smoke in Vietnam. Well, that sound means that it's 420 in the mountain time zone. So happy 420 to our friends in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where the city has just issued cease and desist letters to eight cannabis lounges that have been in operation there. One of these people going to get the idea that we need a place to smoke. Maybe we can invite Brad Pitt to join us. Maui Wowie. Acapulco Gold. California Kush. Our strains stretch everywhere, too. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show... Uh, St. Peter auditioning to be the Microsoft weed software uh, spokesman. Hey, this is St. Peter for Microsoft. They track weed. Does that mean they're going to like track the weed? Is that what this is about, Jesus? I'm not going to be tracked, Jesus. I'm not going to have my fucking weed tracked. And I'm not going to have fucking Microsoft track me back to my fucking house through my weed to where they fucking spied on people with that goddamn Xbox camera. Fuck this. Fuck Microsoft. Fuck this bullshit. The Stoner Jesus Show, live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. You're going to find really wonderful, well-meaning, well-spoken people, and then people that are just batshit crazy. Okay, maybe you're high, too. Marijuana legalization is a worldwide phenomenon. Get yourself positioned for the global cannabis marketplace by attending the International Cannabis Business Conference in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. You'll learn from established cannabis professionals, elected officials, and internationally recognized marijuana law reform activists. You'll also enjoy the ICBC's famous VIP party featuring ICBC special guest speaker and Canadian native Tommy Chong. The ICBC is happening in Vancouver on Thursday and Friday, October 13th and 14th at the Hyatt Regency. Log on to internationalcbc.com today to reserve your tickets. That's internationalcbc.com and bookmark our page for the next ICBCs taking place in Berlin, Germany and San Francisco, California. Don't miss the International Cannabis Business Conference, internationalcbc.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy. 
because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Data Mines, we take a look at the world of finance and we revisit a subject that we talked about last week. And that has to do with the involvement of the alcohol industry in efforts to squash marijuana legalization throughout the United States. There was an article in The Intercept, uh, Lee Fong uh, brought this up, that uh, there have been some donations by some of these alcohol industry uh, players uh, to the campaigns against marijuana legalization, opening up the idea that alcohol, big alcohol, big booze, if you want to call them that, uh, is somehow opposed to marijuana legalization. I questioned that myself when I noted that Colorado's alcohol tax revenues haven't seemed to have fluctuated much since they have legalized marijuana in the state. And I hypothesized that there isn't really a big problem for the alcohol companies in the legalization of marijuana, despite these few uh, investment or these few uh, uh, donations by some alcohol players. Well, following up on this story is the website, The Motley Fool at fool.com. They're an investment website, uh, people that play the stock market to read up on this site for their tips. And the uh, title of the article is, Does Marijuana Legalization Really Have to Worry About the Alcohol Industry? And it brings up some very good points uh, for perspective on this. First of all, according to opensecrets.org, the beer, wine, and liquor industry has spent around $100 million in the last five years on their lobbying. All lobbying. In 2016, they've dropped $14 million on lobbying in this year alone. But so far, the only industry donation to fight marijuana legalization has happened in Massachusetts. And that was a donation of $25,000 raised by the state's beer distributors political action committee. So $25,000 out of 14 million that have been spent on lobbying this year alone doesn't seem like a concerted effort by the alcohol industry to fight marijuana legalization. In fact, in Massachusetts, the total of the uh, fundraising against the question for legalization there is $363,000. So they're not even a large chunk of the opponents in that one state, much less the entire national industry and nine different uh, reform measures. The uh, Health Foundation of Central Massachusetts, by comparison, uh, spent $100,000 to fight legalization. The restaurant developers have kicked in $25,000, the same as the beer distributors, but nobody thinks restaurants are trying to kill legalization. In fact, uh, when it comes down to the long-term prospects of the alcohol industry, there's only two companies that have even mentioned marijuana legalization, and that would be the Boston Beer Company. That's uh, the Samuel Adams brand, the Angry Orchard Cider brand, the Twisted Tea, uh, uh, alcoholic tea brands. Uh, do have something in their annual report filed with the SEC 
They say, quote, certain states are considering or have passed laws and regulations that allow the sale and distribution of marijuana. It is possible that legal marijuana usage could adversely impact the demand for the company's products, end quote. And the other company that has mentioned it, Brown Foreman, they are the owners of Jack Daniels and uh, I think Finlandia Vodka as well. They uh, list marijuana legalization near the bottom of their items that could cause a shift in consumer preferences. They rank economic conditions, demographic trends, social trends, public health policies, changes in regulation as much higher uh, problems for them than uh, the legalization of marijuana. So only two companies have really even considered this. And even in considering it, they don't put much uh, into the fear of marijuana legalization. If you check the huge mega corporations involved in alcohol, that would be Anheuser-Busch Imbev, right? They're the Budweiser folks. SAB Miller, you know, Miller Beer and so, and so forth. And Molson Coors, the, uh, you know, uh, Molson Beers, the Coors, uh, Coors Light, all of that. And Diageo and other brewers, distillers, and distributors, none of them are even mentioning marijuana legalization as a concern. They're more concerned about the possibility of regulations being a problem. Uh, Alcohol taxes, alcohol regulations and restrictions is much more of a concern to the alcohol industry right now than marijuana legalization is. Now, the, uh, the fight for marijuana legalization, I believe, doesn't have that much to fear from alcohol. And in the fight for legalization, there have even been efforts to address the concerns and to deal with and mitigate the possibility of the alcohol industry getting involved. Uh, The most prominent example would be MPP's initiative in Nevada. Now, in the state of Nevada, it's kind of a special circumstance because of their casino industry and the widespread uh, use of alcohol in that state and the power that the alcohol industry has as a lobby in Nevada. Because of that, MPP wrote the initiative so that the distribution of cannabis will be handled, the licensing will be given priority to the alcohol distributors. They actually bought them off. They bought off the alcohol distributors so that they wouldn't be opposed to the legalization in the state of Nevada. So, don't fret, folks. You can still enjoy your microbrew, your hard cider, your hard lemonade, whatever it is you like to enjoy that contains alcohol without worrying that you're contributing to some fight against legal marijuana. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. How high do you like your profit margin? Cannabisradio.com. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The political climate is at a fever pitch, and the fight for the social fabric of America is set for battle this November. Tuesday, November 8th, the Cannabis Liberation Movement takes a huge step forward, and Cannabis Radio is here to chronicle this legendary moment. CannabisRadio.com and the Cannabis Radio News Team will feature wall-to-wall live coverage of all the coast-to-coast voting of state amendments, ballots, propositions, and initiatives that will further progress the Cannabis Crusade. Join us November 8th for Vote 2016, The Path to Cannabis Freedom. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. F-I-V-I! You're listening to Cannabis Radio News' exclusive coverage of Vote 2016. The path to cannabis freedom, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back, everyone. As we continue our look at the 2016 election, we have nine different states that we have to cover this uh, November. And uh, one of them that came as a total surprise to me is the great state of North Dakota. We don't often hear much when it comes to marijuana activism coming out of the Great Plains states, but it's really good to have them on the ballot this year. Joining me here to talk about this is Ray Morgan, and uh, he wants to talk about this North Dakota Compassionate Care Act of 2016. Ray, welcome to the show. Uh, Good afternoon or good morning, Russ, uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Yes, thank you for joining us, and uh, we're excited about the possibility of medical marijuana in North Dakota. Tell us a little bit about the uh, specifics of this uh, Compassionate Care Act, things like Will there be home grow cultivation? What conditions are qualifying and so forth? Okay. Uh, yeah, we, we have about, uh, all about 10 different conditions uh, that uh, we have uh, uh, that we'll be able to use uh, medical cannabis for uh, basically cancer, uh, Crohn's disease, um, uh, chronic pain, uh, Alzheimer's, AIDS. Um, uh, a few others. Um, uh, there is a provision. Uh, the, these will all, all be uh, made available uh, should the bill pass through dispensaries in the state. However, there is a provision uh, that does allow people that live outside of a 40-mile radius of 
where a dispenser is located to technically grow their own. Uh, and they have has to be into a locked and closed facility. Mm-hmm. They don't have to do this. They can have a surrogate uh, grower uh, do this for them, and the surrogate growers can do uh, grow uh, for up to five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this was a provision that we put in because you know North Dakota is a fairly spacious state and. You know, in the middle of winter, if you're driving from Crosby, North Dakota, to Bismarck, North Dakota, which is maybe a four, four-and-a-half-hour drive, you know, you might run into weather conditions that, you know, might not be very favorable. The other thing, too, is that in some cases, we're going to have people who, you know, may not be the wealthiest people in the world because obviously – medical insurance is not going to take care of this. Uh, So we kind of thought, you know, this might be an opportunity for some people who may not be able to afford buying this to maybe grow their own as well, too, and might be uh, a little bit more financially uh, doable for them. So uh, we are talking about a law that will uh, have a dispensary system. People will be able to access herbal cannabis. Will they, will they be able to use the, the, the raw flower and be able to smoke it or vaporize it? Yes. Okay. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, there, there will be, uh, you know, uh, the dispensaries, well, the, the way that it's set up is that uh, a nonprofit organization will basically control the growing uh, the dispensing, but also to, you know, whether they decide to do, uh, you know, edibles or transdermal patches or oils, they would have control of, of processing and manufacturing of those. Gotcha. Now, uh, so we, we established that only the patients that live 40 miles away from a dispensary are going to be able to grow their own cannabis. So for the people, the patients that live, that do live within 40 miles, uh, do they have to just pick one dispensary? Do do you have to register for a dispensary or can they just choose anyone that happens to be nearby? Well, you can choose anyone that happens to be, you know, nearby, you know, you will have obviously a, uh, uh, this a card, a prescription card mm-hmm. that will be di- that will be given to you by your uh, you know your doctor or your uh, uh, physician's assistant, uh, whatever the case might be. Gotcha. Uh, uh, you know, and you have to understand, Russ. Too, North Dakota is not a huge state, so there's there's probably only going to be probably maybe across the state, maybe four dispensaries mm. in, in the major, you know, in the major cities, which are Fargo, Grand Forks, Bismarck, and Minot. Right. Uh, you know, we're just not, you know, you know, we're just not that huge a state when right. you're talking 750,000 people. Right, exactly. And uh, as far as uh, the uh, registry, you've got a registry where patients will sign up and get a card. What, are the, what is the cost on that registry? And will North Dakota recognize other states' cards if people are visiting? Um, the the cost of the cards at twenty dollars per year, um, which is pretty, we felt was pretty reasonable. Um, we are not 
going to recognize people. We're not going to make this reciprocal with other states, unfortunately. But, um, um, you know, it's we thought it would be rel- it's relatively inexpensive to get a card. It's just that we have to persuade doctors now uh, that medical marijuana is something that should be looked at gotcha. for their patients. Now, this uh, this vote for the North Dakota Compassionate Care Act of 2016 is happening here in November. And, you know, I'm calling you from the state of Oregon where we've you know been involved in the marijuana issue for decades. And I imagine it's got to be a lot different in North Dakota trying to uh, campaign for this issue. Uh, has it been difficult for you? Has it been difficult to get across to North Dakotans uh, that this is about medicine and not just, you know, trying to get people high? Yes, it is. It's, you know, we're a conservative state. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. The Midwest, as people well know across the country, that, you know, we're fairly conservative here. Uh, I I do think, though, that, you know, and I think the tide is slowly turning. Uh, we have had with our, um, you know, with our signature gathering to get this measure on the ballot, you know, we've had... Uh, 120 people across the state that gathered some 18,000 signatures, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is a lot for North Dakota. Uh, and, you know, I, I, right now, we have not had any real opposition. There's been some law enforcement uh, that have questioned whether this is a good thing or not, uh, but we haven't seen the medical profession come out against it, nor have we seen a lot of, you know, uh, sheriff's departments or police associations come out against it thus far. So I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic going forward. Uh, the MPP medical, um, marijuana or, um, the marijuana policy project is actually going to be doing a poll here very soon for us, uh, they are starting to get uh, a little bit more involved uh, with our efforts as well, too. Mm, that's good to hear. Because so, I, so hopefully, oh, I was so going to say we'll that's good to hear because I hadn't I hadn't seen any polling come out out of North Dakota uh, for years. So uh, I was just wondering, you know, how how the uh, prospects were looking for the vote. Yeah, we uh, we don't have anything concrete yet as far as uh, polling data goes. We have some old polls which uh, uh, show that, you know, uh, a fairly large percentage of North Dakotans were in favor of medical marijuana, but those were a couple of uh, about a couple of years old. So it's it's uh, I think, you know, like I say, we're cautiously optimistic uh, uh, about our prospects. What's the uh, official ballot number or initiative number up there in North Dakota? That uh, it's going to be uh, ballot number five. Okay, so want to encourage everyone out there who has relatives or friends in North Dakota to inform them, let them know ballot number five is up for medical marijuana. They need to be registered. They need to vote on November eighth to make sure that we can bring this uh, wonderful medicine to the great people of North Dakota. Before I let you go, Ray, is there any other like websites or contact information that would help our listeners to help you? Yep, we have our Facebook page, which is North Dakota Compassionate Care 2016. Also, our uh, web page is nd 
cca2016.org. Uh, and uh, if anybody would like to contribute to our campaign, we'd certainly appreciate it. All right. That sounds good. Ray Morgan up there in North Dakota, working on the North Dakota Compassionate Care Act 2016. It's ballot number five on the North Dakota ballot this November election. Ray, thanks for calling into the show, and we wish you the best of luck up there in North Dakota. Thanks, Russ. We'll keep you posted on uh, election night to let you know how things went. My thanks to Ray Morgan, and good luck to the folks up there in North Dakota getting medical marijuana passed this election season. When we come back, we've got Doug Fine joining us for our Hemp Day Hump Day update, the latest news in industrial hemp all across the country. You're listening to the Russ Bell Show live from beautiful legal potland, Oregon. We're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Seed to sale, clicks to conversions, and more. You're listening to the Cannabis Radio Network. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seed, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. Presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. The Russ Belville Show where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Marijuana legalization also ushers in the return of the American hemp industry. Get the latest news from the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail, Doug Fine, in our Hemp Day Hump Day Update. 
Welcome back, everybody, to this fine Wednesday. It's a hemp day, hump day, and joining us on the phone, we've got Doug Fine on the line. How you doing, Doug? Oh, man, in bliss. It's harvest season, Russ. American hemp harvest season. How about that? I know. that I couldn't wait to get you on the line because I knew we were uh, right smack dab in the middle of the harvest, and you'd be telling us uh, of all the states that are cultivating hemp across the country. Uh, what's the latest? How's harvest going? Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. So, uh... I'm in the middle of uh, filming several harvests before heading to my own projects, Harvest in Vermont, um, and it just keeps going from there. But I'll, I'll tell you, here in Colorado, uh, where I'm filming now for the hemp television series Growing Season, um, I was at a farm a few days ago that uh, cultivate, is cultivating more acreage at 1,250 than the entire United States cultivated two years ago. Mm. This game is on. This game is on. And it's it's a, it's just a pleasure, pleasure to watch. Um, also here in Colorado was the Hemp Industries Association conference uh, this week, and it was uh, it was a real deal. It was it was farmers looking for processors and and people seeking standards and all the things you expect in an industry that's uh, that's growing really really fast. Uh, next for me is uh, off to Vermont for harvest season of the three-family, 23-acre hemp farm, of which I am part, and I can't wait for that. It's it's time, and uh, it's my, my young son's first hemp harvest. Over there planting. It's going to be great. That's amazing. So we know Colorado, Vermont. I know they're, they're harvesting hemp here in Oregon. How many states in the U.S. right now have hemp crops in the ground that are going to be harvested this season? You know, the uh, the difference between places that have hemp crops in the ground and the places that have significant far- amount of acreage um, is significant. I mean, if you want to add every place where there is at least a single plant or a single uh, uh, field, then probably, I mean, we have up 31 states with hemp legislation in the ground this season, as many as a dozen, I would say, and... Um, you know, six to eight significant, uh, those being uh, Oregon, Vermont, Colorado, Kentucky, um, Tennessee, um, and uh, who else might I be forgetting? But uh, it, is coming, it is coming online fast because some states are taking that uh, cautious approach and only allowing it to be tiny in year one. They're choosing to not hear the reality from year one, um, but inevitably it's like, you know, it's win-win for everybody. Almost every place by year two is uh, gates open. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, in uh, with respect to the uh, cautious approach being taken, we've got a question from our live chat room that asks, uh, considering that the USDA had their recent statement on hemp, would it be better for hemp to stay 100% compliant with the federal law or... Should we should we move toward hemp production being more like medical marijuana, where we ignore the federal law and do it state by state, regardless of what the feds happen to say? Those are both legitimate um, choices. Um, personally, um, I, um, as a proud American and as a proud hemp farmer, um, I. Honor, I try to honor the law, and the, the law uh, of the land is federal law. So therefore, with our hemp program, our intent is to follow um, federal law as well as state law, follow all laws. And so 
for instance, we, um, we don't have sales this year. We have market research. And um, for those who may be, you know, laughing in terms of like, um, oh, the nuance of the ridiculousness of the end of pro- probation, of course. I mean, but, you know, when God puts, you have a right to the plants and herbs in chapter one of the Bible, uh, if you're a religious person, um, to talk about anything other than this good thing is good is, to me, counter to my spiritual framework. Framework. That said, um, I was in, uh, I, I was, I was visiting and speaking uh, uh, in North Carolina the other day, and um, uh, a friend of mine from Kentucky, a Kentucky farmer, uh, was walking alongside me, and and uh, and I made this comment about, yeah, we've got a lot of market research uh, interest in our Vermont crops. I said, because it's you know market research, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she said. It is market research, and it is. It really <laughs> is. Thank you, federal government, for forcing us to figure out these markets and how and how they work. So uh, we're excited about that. That said, we got tons of uh, flower seed and fibers. So give us a call, yeah. in Vermont folks. <laughs> no doubt about it. Now, uh, the corollary to that question, you know, as far as should we proceed cautiously, would be the the risk that we might be taking. Do you? have any fears of the DEA conducting raids on hemp farms this year? Well, um, after meeting Aung San Suu Kyi in Burma, I realized uh, fear, there's, you know, you have to live it up here in general. But personally, I feel confident about it. So, for instance, we're talking with one state um, now um, about supplying some of our seeds from our program to their program farmers uh, through the state agriculture department, actually many states. But in this one particular state, They've consulted at the highest level, and their attorney general considers it completely an acceptable risk and a totally awesome, cool thing to um, to be uh, uh, to allow that kind of thing as in sync with all federal laws. So there's a, I could get into the nuances of the federal laws that are ap- applicable or potentially applicable here, but uh, so that's fantastic. When you have a state attorney general that's backing up your business strategy, your market research. Um, that gives you some confidence that if there is going to be a target, it's going to be somebody else who's not choosing to be compliant with federal law. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, these are just short-term issues. In the long run, we're talking about an already unstoppable industry, Russ. It's just growing by leaps and bounds. I'm, thr- I'm thrilled to be part of it. I'm thrilled for my Vermont partners who are farming families, who need, like my family does, who need to make a living. And in their, you know, generational memory of farming in Vermont, they can't remember this much interest in the crop of theirs before <laughs> harvest. So it's it's good. That's great. Good. Now, now uh, you were talking about these people being engaged in market research. Uh, under that uh, under that requirement of it being market research, do these farmers get to make any money, or do they just have to volunteer their work? I think that when you're researching, you're allowed to pay researchers. I'm pretty sure about that. I mean, what I'm going by is. Um, you know, it, you know. I don't think that people are required to be slaves because their because their job is researchers, uh, farmer entrepreneur researchers. Um, but uh, but I'm not a legal expert on that on that question. But I will say is that the the origins of this uh, model came from the highest level of the Kentucky legal system, the state system in Kentucky, that several years ago said it is market research and uh, allows Kentucky farmers to, uh, to to sell to market research their crop and and they do. And all of it. Um, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres in, in Kentucky this year. Hmm. Um, so, and there's been no uh, federal pushback. Now, in that recent letter that the caller uh, or the chat room uh, um, folks mentioned, um, 
there there was a question raised about that inaccurately in our in many opinions, and there's been quite a pushback uh, against that recent letter. And again, it's all just speed bumps. We're just we're just talking about the inevitable here. And, and for folks who like to follow the nuances, I guess it's better than uh, you know Bradulina <laughs> headlines. But don't worry about it. The only result is hemp by the thousands or even millions of acres within not too many years. Oh, so looking forward to that. Uh, we're speaking with Doug Fine, the author of Hemp Bound and Too High to Fail. Uh, and uh, Doug, we had spoken a few months back about the problems that farmers were having in securing hemp seed. Uh, they were importing it and the DEA was given a bunch of problems. Can you update us on the, the status of hemp seed in America? And I know Colorado certified some of their hemp seeds. Are, are they going to be able to uh, transport these seeds state to state so that these farmers can c- c- collaborate on some of these genetics? Well, so um, a quick clarification, Colorado is beginning the process of certifying seeds, which is fantastic. Um, it's, uh, i got to give props to Dwayne Stinning and the, the folks in the Colorado Ag Department um, who, are, who are rocking it and really want it to, be, to work, first of all, and to be a level playing field for, um, um, for, for farmers, uh, whether they're independent farmers, big farmers, small farmers, or any, anything. Um, and, uh, but, uh, and I hope all so many states will follow um, but uh, what we believe is that um, this is what I was talking about with the acceptable risk, that we should be able to move seeds to other state programs. That's, that appears to be protected in, in federal law, and we're going to do it, you know, with our respective states' involvement and full disclosure and awareness of everybody on all sides. And, and we think it's ridiculous and not according to law to, out of fear and rearview mirror nonsense, stop American entrepreneurs from providing seeds and force farmers to get them from abroad. That's insane, especially since we're pretty dang proud of our quality. I'm speaking from my Vermont group here. Um, our biggest issue now, we have experience with seed farmers from sunflowers and other seeds. They know what they're doing with the seed to the max, my friends uh, that my, in, our, in our group. Um, uh, but what we're trying to figure out, me and everybody else I'm talking to at the Hemp Industry Association, going, dang, we're getting all this flower material, and it's beautiful. I mean, there's a balanced cannabinoid profile and lovely terpenes and what, what we've got. And so it's like, oh, my God, we've got tons of flower material. Ooh, I, collecting it is problem one. Market research? Yeah, that's, that's, that's next, sure. Um, uh, but uh, it's day-to-day, thinking on the fly, modifying combines, baby. This is, uh, this is not a test. This is not a drill. This is the birth of an industry that's good for America and good for the soil. Doug Fine, you are the man when it comes to our Hemp Day Hump Day update, giving us all the latest information. Uh, so many people out there listening have these have some pretty detailed questions uh, coming up, and uh, we don't have the time to go over them right now. But uh, is there a way people can contact you if they want to uh, get some of your expertise and maybe take these subjects a little deeper? Thank you. Yes. Uh, uh, there's a contact button at DougFine.com. Um, I, I hope, I think I see the, there are a bunch of people at the conference recently who said they tried that and didn't get through. I'll, I'll check it, but uh, that's the best way to follow what I'm doing uh, at uh, Organic Cowboy on Twitter, at Organic Cowboy 2C, all one word. All right. Well, Doug, thanks for uh, calling in with us today, and we'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. And before we let you go, uh, give my best to the goats and any goat updates for us. Only that they're about to be fed American-grown hemp protein cake. And for the rest of their lives, my rest of my family's budget from hemp is going from thousands of dollars to zero. Mm. And I'm pretty psyched about that. That's fantastic news. Well, Doug, thanks for calling in again. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. And uh, good luck on the harvest season. 
Thank you, Russ. You're, you're the best of what you do. We'll talk soon. Thank you, man. Well, folks, that's all the time we got for our first hour, but stay tuned. Hour two is coming up next. Toker Talk Radio. Live phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 534-2565. 650-LEGAL-MJ. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ, live from Potland, Oregon. And until next time, take care of each other, Tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to earth. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tope. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about tope on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Poplin, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of Gonta Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer-mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. It's Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, and that means the phone lines are open. Our live number here is 650-LEGAL-MJ. 650-LEGAL-MJ, that's 650-534-2565. And you don't have to wait till the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time to call me, although that's the time to call if you want to talk live. But 650-LEGAL-MJ is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We've got a voicemail machine there. You can leave a message, and we just might play it back on the Toker Talk Radio Hour, like this message we got four days ago from the folks in Saginaw, Michigan. Hey, Russ. It's it's jamming Jerry Mater here in Saginaw, Michigan. I just wanted to say keep up the great work, dude. You're doing awesome. I'm just... Um... Yeah, I really enjoy your show, and uh, take care, and uh, hope all is well out there in Oregon, and uh, everything's good over here in Michigan. I'm actually calling you on a Saturday. It's raining like hell out here. It's okay. Gives me more ability to smoke. (laughs) 
Because you know how it is when you, you know, when it's uh, raining outside, you got nothing better to do than soak, right? Come on. <laughs> anyway, take care and uh, be well. And uh, and uh, again, look forward to talking to you at some point live. Later. Well, thanks for calling in, Jim and Jerry from Saginaw and uh, Michigan. Boy, you guys got a lot of stuff going on as far as your medical marijuana goes. And MI Legalized tried so hard to get legalization on the ballot this year came so close uh i know you guys will be following along in 2018 or 2020 at the latest we'll get you legalization out there in michigan we've got other calls uh, stored up in our voicemail we'll get to those a little bit later we're also taking live calls at 650 legal mj and a quick announcement from the folks in denver the uh cannabis business alliance has uh issued their official support of denver ballot initiative 300 Ballot Initiative 300 is the Denver Social Use Initiative, the neighborhood-supported social use initiative. This is the one that would allow uh, the city to issue licenses to any business that wants to allow on-site cannabis consumption by adults. It would also allow for special event permits for on-site cannabis consumption by adults. Uh, One of the catches is that those licenses would have to be approved by a registered neighborhood group. So uh, if the neighborhood didn't want your business to have that license, uh, you wouldn't get it. Kind of a neighborhood veto option, as it were. They are having a fundraiser for the Yes on 300 campaign in Denver. It's going to be at Metlo tomorrow uh, uh, from 5 to 7 Mountain Time. If you want more information, log on to facebook.com slash Denver Social Use. You can also find the Cannabis Business Alliance at CannabisAlliance.org. And if you've got any of these announcements for events or fundraisers that you'd like me to get out to the cannabis community, send them to me. I'm RadicalRuss at gmail.com. In fact, I'm RadicalRuss on anything that has a username. Uh, You should be able to get a hold of me. I'll be happy to announce your upcoming events. All right, stay tuned, folks. We've got plenty to get to here in hour two. In our next segment, we're going to take a look at a Rolling Stone look at the NFL and cannabis. We've spoken to so many former players recently about this issue, and it is starting to break into the national consciousness. After the safety briefing, we're going to take a look at a piece in Politico that shows the evolution of one of the most conservative senators, Senator Lindsey Graham, coming to support medical marijuana issues. Then, as we close out the show today, we'll look at PTSD in Colorado for their medical marijuana program and European teens versus U.S. teens on marijuana use. Stick around. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Every strain, every sale, every medical study. Keep it right here on the Cannabis Radio Network. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. 
Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Tennessee's Congressman Steve Cohen. Well, you know, if marijuana is a gateway drug, then kissing is a fake gateway activity to sexual addiction. U.S. Representative Jared Polis. Yes, we really have a growing group of, uh, of, of representatives that um, support decriminalization. It's the Russ Belville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, before we get to the NFL story, uh, I want to follow up on what we were talking about in Denver, the uh, social use initiative. During break, I was catching up with the chat room, and one of our chatters brought up the point that uh, Jordan Person from Denver Normal has uh, asked many of the neighborhood groups what they think about marijuana licensing and that most of them, probably almost all of them, are against the idea. They wouldn't approve of any sort of business licensing. Now, Jordan Person, it should be noted, was also the person behind Denver Normal's social use initiative that failed to make the ballot. There were two different initiatives that were competing to make the ballot and the uh, one on the ballot, uh, obviously it won and the Denver normal one didn't. And there were some significant differences between the two. Most uh, significantly is the fact that the one that's on the ballot requires the approval of a neighborhood group before you can get your license. You know, this, this neighborhood veto sort of option. Whereas the Denver normal version did not require the neighborhood to approve. It only required getting a license from the city. And as long as you met those requirements, you could get the license. The other significant difference would be in the Denver Normal Initiative, it would have put marijuana lounges as separate entities. You couldn't have a, like open consumption at a beer bar or a pub or a yoga studio or anything like that. It would specifically be a pot lounge and the Denver social use people, uh, Kayvon Kalatbari and, and the people that got on the ballot didn't like that idea because they felt that cannabis consumers shouldn't be segregated. We shouldn't have to endure separate, but equal sorts of facilities. That is why can't we mingle with the beer drinkers or the people doing yoga or the rest of the folks out at a 
a summer concert series in the park. Between the two of them, I think uh, we could have had the perfect initiative. <laughs> if there was no neighborhood required sign off and a special license could be granted to any place that wanted to have cannabis consumption, that would be the perfect solution for me. Because I am uh, sympathetic to that argument by the Denver social use people that we shouldn't be segregated. As it is here in uh, Portland, we have some cannabis lounges. The Northwest Cannabis Club comes to mind. And at those lounges, we can't drink alcohol. There's no uh, uh, other things for sale there. It's just, you know, show up into this one room where you can smoke pot. And that's nice to have. It's better than having no public accommodations. But it still underscores this idea that we're somehow different, separate, lesser than somehow reviled having to be kept segregated in our own little corners of the city so that we're not infecting the rest of the populace with our pot smoking ways. I I, am sympathetic to that argument and they do make a good point that getting the neighborhood buy off on these licenses in the long run could be the best way to make this happen. Now, I I agree that most of the neighborhood associations, almost all of them, are going to reject this licensing. They're going to play not in my backyard and uh, what about the children and all of these uh, uh, fears that would happen if, you know, Bob's Tavern allowed pot smoking or whatever. But I believe that at least one of them and maybe a few of these neighborhood associations will welcome the pot licensing. I'm thinking there may be a few of them that recognize the economic opportunity available in being one of the only places in the city of Denver where people can go and enjoy some sort of cannabis uh, entertainment venue. And once we get one or two or three of these neighborhood associations to relent and allow for these pot licenses, these social use licenses, and as those continue without major problems, without news stories of the sky falling because we let someone at a bar smoke a joint, the more that continues, the more these other neighborhood associations are going to recognize the sky didn't fall and there's money to be made and their people of their neighborhood want these sorts of outlets. It'll be somewhat like medical marijuana where the first few states after they passed and nothing bad happened, more states followed along. So I think even though the initiative on the ballot will probably lead to far fewer places where the public can consume cannabis than the Denver normal one would have. The places where you will be able to consume will be so varied and the example will be so stark that it will kind of destroy this fear that allowing people to consume pot in public is going to have any sort of problems. If it were the other initiative and we got a bunch of pot lounges that were basically no better than some stoner's basement, but then moved out to a larger building, but we're all separate and we're not integrating alcohol, we're not integrating anything else, then that makes it harder for us to make the case that pot use should be uh, legal in the park at a special event or legal at uh, other venues where alcohol or other entertainment 
are going on. So overall, I'm, I'm happy with the Denver Social News Use Initiative being on the ballot, and I, I really hope that it passes. Uh, also, I also wanted to make, uh, uh, give you a chance to hear another one of our voicemails on our 650-LEGAL-MJ line. You can call that 24 hours a day and leave a message. We'll be glad to play it back here on the show. For this message, we go to New York City, New York, where our Frayne Wayne has called in. Russ, this is Wayne Reese from Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I'm calling in because I'm a huge Russ Belleville fan. I think you're just fantastic, and I support you 110%. But there's a couple of issues that I wanted to talk to you about, which um, I wouldn't say that necessarily we disagree, but I think we sort of have different points of view. And uh, one issue was this idea that there's uh, medical use and non-medical use of marijuana. And the other issue is uh, that there are the dangerous drugs and then there's marijuana. Um, okay, so the first issue, uh, this idea that there are healthy people and sick people, I think that's a very strange paradigm. I, 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 I don't want to paint you into the corner, and I don't want to say that you're sick, but I just find that this sort of American medical paradigm that we have is not really quite accurate. It doesn't really describe reality very well. And that is that, you know, uh, if you go to a hospital and you get some tests done on your liver, either you have a healthy liver or you have a sick liver. And I don't think that really describes reality too well. I think that there is a... Uh, a sliding scale uh, of health and deteriorating into actual illness. But there's a whole range. So some people are actually ill, true, but then there's the rest of society that gets sort of a C plus, and they're sort of, we speak of them as if they're healthy, and I don't think that's true, nor do I think that it, it's a, a condition that you arrive at. Oh, great, now I'm healthy. It's more like uh, being a musician. You know, there are some people who consider themselves tone deaf, and there are some people who are uh, conservatory trained, and there's everything in between. But even the guy who goes to the conservatory, he's always working, or she, is always working on it. And there's always room for improvement. And I think health is the same way. So when somebody says, well, I don't use marijuana for health reasons, you use marijuana to make yourself feel better, and feeling good is part of being healthy. That's what healthy is. You laugh more. You enjoy sex. These are all measurements of uh, health. So I would sort of encourage you to think of this in a different paradigm. It's not, it's not a question of – I don't really understand what people mean when they say I use marijuana recreation. Uh, gotta go. My wife's on the other line. Uh, I'll talk to you again. Okay. Bye. Big thanks to Wayne from for calling in. Uh, Wayne's been a fan of the show for a long time. We've exchanged numerous emails, and he always makes me think very deeply about subjects. And and that's a subject you know we talk about a lot here. You know, a lot of people like to say all use is medical. And what I bristle against is the term medical in that it. Well, it's just he mentions the paradigm, the Western medical paradigm, which is medicine is a a machine to fix a broken human. 
that's the way we think of medicine in America. It's 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 a machine. It's a it's a a substance we use to fix a broken human. So if the human's not broken, then you're not using it medically. And that's where that whole uh, medical versus recreational comes in. When they say recreational users aren't using it medically, they're saying that you're not broken. You're just using it for fun. But I don't dismiss this point he's making about uh, healthy lifestyles and this this spectrum of health, right? You're not either healthy or sick. There's a, there's a spectrum, and I totally agree with that. And I like to say that, you know, take it out of the, the medical paradigm and put it into the supplement paradigm, right? You think of things like uh, protein powder supplements or vitamin C supplements or anything like that. Cannabis is a supplement to our life that improves our enjoyment of it and thereby improves our health. That's what the all use of is medical people are trying to say, but I just don't think they're saying it the right way. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Kirk. Uh, it's 420 here in the Pacific Time Zone on a beautiful Wednesday afternoon. Time for us to take our union-mandated safety briefing. Make sure that we're all safe. I hope you're safe. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll see if we can get in that NFL story and uh, that Lindsey Graham story as well. Plus your calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. We have your smoking section right here. This is the Cannabis Radio Network. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. Coming soon to a city near you, Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. Get all your cannabis accounting, legal, and compliance questions answered by their knowledgeable panel of industry experts who want to help your cannabis business boom. Whether you're a grower, dispensary operator, or a newcomer to the field, your cannabis business needs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. For information on upcoming events, visit CannabisFinanceBootCamp.com. Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? 
You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're all feeling safer at this point. There's been uh, more chatter going on in our live chat room here at CannabisRadio.com on this concept we were talking about, the all-uses medical concept, that the use of cannabis by anybody uh, is beneficial because it helps them enjoy life, to relax, to unwind, take away stress, and so forth. And we've discussed this in the past, and, and I've, I've discussed how the, the only problem with the all-uses-medical line is its framing, is, is you're trying to frame it, you're, you're trying to make your point within the frame of American understanding of what medical means. And, and that, that frame, medical, conjures up doctors and lab coats and researchers and, and pharmacists and pill bottles and injections and, and illnesses, and diagnoses, all of these things that are a part of our Western, we will fix it if it's broke type medical system, don't provide the right sort of framework for us to get the point across about all uses medical. To the, to the average listener out there, the average voter, average American, when they see somebody who they perceive as a pothead saying all use is medical, all they see is a cover-up. All they, all they hear is you trying to make excuses or to justify what they consider to be getting high, what they consider to be at best a indulgence and at worst a terrible habit, a drug addiction, if you will. So... It's not that they're wrong. It's just that they're not going to get their point across to the audience they need to get it to trying to work it through that framework. And that's why I don't like the, the phrase all uses medical. And it, it brings up, there's a couple of comments here in the chat room that, that, that kind of make this point. Uh, Bud says, I like to drink red wine at night to relax my body, boost my testosterone and feel better overall. Is that medical? Is drinking red wine medical? And uh, Michael says, uh, doing blow at 3 a.m. so you can keep drinking through the next day. Is that medical? Right. And, and I've made this point kind of facetiously as well, where, you know, if we just if we say all pot smoking, all use is medical, then we are stretching and devaluing the meaning of the word medical, at least in the framework we understand here in America. Like if, if the point is that it relieves stress, makes you feel good, uh, then hell masturbation is medical right uh watching tv is medical uh taking a walk is medical eating blueberries is medical right and and if everything's medical if everything you do that either exercises your body or relaxes your mind is defined as medical then the word medical itself has really no meaning it's like you know lake wobegon where all the kids are above average well there's you've lost all sense and meaning of the term medical if you stretch it that far. And that's why I prefer to make that point about the beneficial nature of cannabis. I prefer to make that point in the frame of supplements. When you, when you start talking about supplements, vitamins, uh, herbal supplements, nutraceuticals even, then when you're talking to the average voter, average American, average listener out there, they see it as First of all, supplement, the term supplement means uh, it conjures up 
the frame of optional, of discretionary, like not required, but chosen. Medical, on the other hand, is is not a discretionary thing. Medical is something that must happen. You must have medicine or you will get sick and die. You must have an operation or your broken leg won't heal or or whatever it might be. You must continue your insulin treatments or the diabetes will kill you. That that's medical. That's what medical conjures to people. So it conjures this this requirement, this this must smoke pot. And that's where you get that dissonance from the listener, from the average uh, American out there, because they don't see smoking pot as something you must do. And they will easily make the distinction between the people who must smoke pot, the cancer patient, the MS patient, the person with AIDS, whatever. And that person who must smoke pot or else suffer serious problems, they accept that as medical. And that's why we have so much greater poll support among the general public for medical than we do for recreational because recreational to them is optional. It's, it's uh, something you're choosing to do. So when you try to say all use is medical, you're trying to lump together the terribly disabled person who without cannabis will suffer or die with the other person who without cannabis might be bummed out, might be a little stressed out, but ain't going to die. They ain't going to suffer very seriously. And that the general public can't reconcile. So instead, if we switch it over to the supplement idea, the supplement idea, something that is optional, something that's discretionary, something you're choosing to do, I think we'll get better traction on the idea that all of our use is beneficial. With supplement, we put it into the same frame as bodybuilders and and fitness junkies uh, using that protein powder or eating those uh, uh, protein snack bars, right? Build up their muscle. With supplement, we put it in the same area as a a low-dose baby aspirin that uh, somebody with heart problems might be taking to avoid the next heart attack. With supplement, we put it in the same realm as vitamin C, uh, that somebody might take to improve their health or, or keep their immune system uh, in shape. With supplement, we cast cannabis as something we are adding to our life to improve it, not something that is needed for our life to continue. And I think that way we will make more progress on the idea that all use is beneficial to the human body. Of course, the other key to that argument, the other key to making the supplement frame stick is educating people on the fact that we have an endocannabinoid system. And this is something, uh, somebody who does a great job of this is Dr. Uma Donna Ballin. She's out on the East Coast in Boston, got to see her at the Freedom Rally. And she always, in every speech she makes, points out that we have an endocannabinoid system and points out that when she was going through medical school, she was never educated on the fact that we have an, an endocannabinoid system. In fact, it's estimated that one out of seven doctors goes to a medical school where they even mention the endocannabinoid system. Now, this is frightening as hell. Imagine if six out of seven mechanics out there had never heard of the alternator system. Yeah, I can, I can fix your transmission and I can fix your uh, gas line and got no problem working on the, uh, on the brakes here. But um, 
What's this alternator system you're talking about? You would never take your car to a mechanic who didn't know what the alternator system was. But we are regularly visiting doctors throughout this country who have no clue that we have an endocannabinoid system. And of all the systems to not know about, the endocannabinoid system may be the one that's the, the, the worst one to be ignorant of. I mean, we have an endocrine system, we have an adrenaline, we have, uh, uh, you know, cardiovascular, musculoskeletal. We've got all these different systems in our bodies. And the endocannabinoid system is the one that helps to regulate all of them, helps to keep the homeostasis going for all those systems. So for doctors not to know that is just shameful, just incredible. But she always makes the point of educating people. We have an endocannabinoid system. Our bodies produce natural endogenous cannabinoids, things that chemicals that act like pot. One of them is called anandamide. And that our body has this cannabinoid system and the cannabis plant has evolved in such a way to produce molecules that act on that system. Now, whether you're a religious person and think God put the cannabis plant here with all the nutritious hemp seed and all the medical properties and all the textile and fiber that can be made from it as a as a boon to humankind. If you think that was divine providence that did that part of God's plan, or if you're more of a scientific thinker and and think that evolution and know that evolution is what made these things happen. Regardless, it would seem clear to me that there is a special relationship between the mammals on this planet that have endocannabinoid systems and the plant on this planet that supplements that system. The cannabis plant evolved along with us. We got benefit from its cannabinoids. We found pleasure in its cannabinoids. And that led us to keep planting that plant and changing it and crossbreeding it and developing it into what it is today. Much the same as how we co-evolved with dogs. Dogs were originally the wolves that would hang out around the fringes of our caveman campfires. And the ones that had lesser stress hormones in reaction to human presence, the ones that were less scared to come closer to the fire pit, those were the ones that got rewarded with the scraps of food and the bones. And that relationship developed between mankind and canine, where we bred them for our purposes. We, we bred the docile ones together to make more docile versions. We benefited from their heightened senses to keep us safe from predators. And in return, we cared for them and fed them and help propagate their species. I don't think it's too far of a stretch to say that cannabis is the dog of plants. It's man's best friend. And knowing that we have an endocannabinoid system, knowing that we co-evolved with a plant, knowing that a plant found its way in the evolutionary niche by supplementing and improving the endocannabinoid systems of humans, and for that matter, all mammals, goes a long way toward bolstering the 
the the paradigm bolstering the frame of cannabis as a supplement when cannabis is just an illegal drug that makes you high it's seen by the public as an as an exterior substance it's seen as a, as a poisoning it's seen as a as a, a, a well can't, can't can't think of the damn word anyway it's spoiling you in a sense but the more people understand that cannabis co-evolved with us and supplements the natural system we already have the less it's seen as that external threat that external poisonous substance and more like something that belongs in our system something that we should be using and enjoying so continue that education let people know that we have an endocannabinoid system especially tell your doctor if your doctor doesn't know what the endocannabinoid system is find them some books and get them educated all right we got to take another break pay some more of the bills And when we come back, I know I didn't get to the NFL or Lindsey Graham. We'll try to talk a little bit about that. But also, Colorado may add PTSD to its medical marijuana law. We'll update you on that. And a look at the latest data out of Europe comparing their teenagers to our teenagers on weed. Stick around. We're back in just two minutes. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Previously on the Stoner Jesus Show. St. Paul's doing good work. It's my Greg, you're a prune tang. If I can use a medical term. Yes. <laughs> and then we learn medical journal. Oh, my That's God. That's right. Oh, you can call me Dr. St. Paul now. Dr. St. Paul. I don't think I will. No. <laughs> you, you wouldn't even qualify to be a vet. Oh, I'm a special kind of vet. I'll make him less lonely. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. 
Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. <coughs> or at least they pay me to say that. This is the Rush Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. 40 after the hour here. Cruising into the last segment of Toker Talk Radio. Our lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ. That's 650-534-2565. You can call anytime and leave a message, or you can call now and talk to me live. If you've got questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, topics, events, deep thoughts you want to get off your chest, just uh, let us know. We're here for you at Toker Talk Radio. When we say the voice of the marijuana nation, we mean your voice, marijuana nation. And uh, speaking of uh, your voices and the marijuana nation, just a quick shout out to all the longtime listeners out there who've been with me through thick and thin, through normal and 420 radio and now on cannabis radio. Thank you so much for continuing to support the show and my endeavors as a cannabis activist. Couldn't ask for a better job. I could ask for better pay, but I couldn't ask for a better job. And uh, I really appreciate all you being here. And uh, I know that for many of you, uh, coming here live to listen to the show every day is, a, is an appointment you make fairly religiously. I see you in the chat room all the time. And I uh, just want to let you know that I'm sitting here all by myself every day talking into a microphone on a laptop. And the only thing that keeps me sane is knowing that you're out there listening. So keep on listening. Keep on supporting. And uh, I'll keep talking about weed. Until it is completely legal. Now, how do we know when marijuana is completely legal? (laughs) Well, uh, Chris Goldstein, my friend out in uh, Philly, had uh, a test for that. (laughs) He mentioned it in his speech at the Boston Freedom Rally. He said, marijuana will be completely legal when a black man walking down the street in Philadelphia with a joint on his lips walks by a cop car in which sits a black cop who is also smoking a joint and they just wave at each other and nobody goes to jail, that's when marijuana is completely legal. (laughs) So, yeah, I guess I'll accept that. That's a good test. I like that. All right, let me get to some of the the extra stories that have been uh, percolating in the marijuana media here before I run out of yet another segment to talk about them. (laughs) Uh, Colorado is looking at adding post-traumatic stress, or what they call PTSD, as a qualifying condition for their medical marijuana program. A lot of you out there are going, wait a minute. They don't have PTSD in Colorado in the med. No, they don't. They, they, they passed their medical marijuana program in 2000. And in the 16 years since then, activists, veterans, and their supporters have been pushing to get PTSD added 
to the medical marijuana program and to no avail. Even as other states around the country have been adding PTSD, Colorado's been dragging its feet. Even in 2012, when Amendment 64 was on the ballot to legalize marijuana in Colorado, part of the campaign was that there was no PTSD in the medical program, so veterans who wanted any sort of relief would only be able to get it if we legalized marijuana for everybody. That was a major selling point of Amendment 64, is to get cannabis to the vets with PTS. Well, now it looks like they may actually do it. Tomorrow, on one of the panels in, in the uh, State House in Denver, they've got a vote scheduled to give post-traumatic stress patients the ability to get their recommendation for medical cannabis. And they're doing this over the objections of the state health department. Now, the state board of health, they've rejected, like I said, multiple times these petitions to add PTSD or PTS, I should say. And they often cite that there's not enough medical study that there may be long-term threats to veterans and other patients who use cannabis to treat their post-traumatic stress. There's not enough proof that it really works, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, it's shocking they still come to that conclusion. Now, this, uh, this panel that's voting on this, uh, it's not like it's a legislative committee. So this isn't like a bill... This isn't, uh, you know, going to move forward and become law. It's not going to have any legal effect. But when these panels make their policy decisions, they usually carry some weight when the full legislature gets together, and that'll be next January. So still moving slowly. Post-traumatic stress won't even be discussed as a policy possibility until 2017, when the legislature meets in Colorado and then you got to pass the bill and then, you know, who knows when it goes into effect. So the veterans will still have to rely on recreational legalization to be able to get their uh, cannabis. What's the difference? Why, why the big deal? Well, the medical cannabis in Colorado is cheaper. Don't have to pay all the taxes on it. And uh, you can possess and grow more. I think twice as much than you can if you are a, just a regular old adult. So this is good news coming out of Denver, coming out of uh, Colorado. We might get post-traumatic stress added to the medical marijuana condition list. Good news. Another story that I've been following, because you know me, I'm all into the data. The European School Survey Project on Alcohol and Other Drugs, as, uh, as done by the European Monitoring Center for Drugs and Drug Addiction, has come out with its new figures for 2015. Uh, this is the European version of the National Survey on Drug Use and Health by the uh, you know Office of National Drug Control Policy or the uh, Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Agency. Excuse me. So this is the European version of what we talk about a lot when it comes to uh, the data. And this is surveys of young people, of teens. Uh, actually, I think the survey is age... 13 and over that they're talking about this uh, 13. Uh, yeah, people, students, basically. So here's what they found. First of all, they have found that about a third of European teens 
find cannabis easy or fairly easy to acquire. This is a number that stayed around 30 to 33% since 1999. So throughout the whole 21st century, about a third of European kids say it's easy or fairly easy to get pot. That's up from 22% back in 1995. So it has become more accessible, at least the perception is that it's more accessible than it used to be. But these numbers pale in comparison to the U.S. numbers. Among U.S. teens, the Monitoring the Future survey has shown consistently for 40 years, over 40 years now, that 80 to 90% of U.S. teens say it's easy or fairly easy to get a hold of some cannabis. Uh, That figure just sank below 80%, 79.5% for 2015. So it's it's 32% for European teens. It's 80-some percent. Now, these aren't exactly apples-to-apples comparisons. The Monitoring the Future survey is only asking high school seniors how easy it is. And, of course, they're 17 or 18 years old. They're going to have a much easier time than someone who's 12 or 13. The numbers coming out of Europe, perceived availability, is all students age 13 and up. So 13 to, like, 19 or so. And, yeah, it's going to be a whole lot more difficult for a 13-year-old to get a hold of some cannabis than a 17-year-old. Some other figures we get here. The um, early onset of daily cannabis use. Now, what they're referring to is how young were you when you became a daily cannabis consumer? Uh, That's still sitting at 3%. And and young, they're talking about, you know, 13, 13 or 14. So those numbers have stayed relatively the same for, again, the whole 21st century. Cigarette use, though, among European teens, lifetime use, have they ever tried cigarettes, has dropped from two out of three in 1995 to less than half in 2015. Cigarette use plummeting in Europe just like it is in America. Current cigarette use is down from a third to almost a fifth, 32% in 95 to 22% in 2015. Daily cigarette use down from a fifth, 20%, to 13% now, about one out of 12. Current alcohol use, slightly down. Less than half of European teens are currently using alcohol. And lifetime cannabis use. Have they ever tried cannabis? Up from 11% to 17% among the European teens. Current cannabis use up from 4% to 7%. Now, these uh, numbers compared to the United States teens, current cannabis use among U.S. teens is higher than that, for sure. Among the, uh, among the college-age use in America, it's about a third are using currently. So what we're finding here in the European numbers is, compared to the United States, we see less use of cannabis, And we see less problematic use of cannabis and less access to cannabis in Europe compared to the United States. And when you compare the policies, again, they're different from country to country in Europe. But generally speaking, Europe has more of a decriminalized health related approach toward cannabis use compared to the United States's strict prohibition model.
All right, we're going to take a break and wrap up the show. When we come back, we've got an update on legalization in Nevada. New poll just out. We'll tell you how things are looking there. You're listening to the Russ Bell Show, Toker Talk Radio. Be back right after this. This is the Russ Bellville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. (sighs) Cash? Sorry. I don't carry around cash, and I don't want to use the ATM and pay surcharges. You don't need to carry cash. Haven't you heard about PayQuick? Okay, tell me about PayQuick. It's the safe and easy way to pay. It works just like your debit card to securely pay for your purchase, and it gives you rewards points every time you use it. Nice. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman, and I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of the Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Just winding things up here. Checking out my Twitter feed. You remember, uh, do you remember Randy Philbrick? He was the guy who was the head of uh, Oregon's Project Sam affiliate. And uh, he is no longer the head of Oregon's Project Sam affiliate got called out by Kevin Sabet because um, when the Orlando massacre happened, remember that? The Orlando massacre? Guy runs in and shoots 50, you know, hundreds of people in the in the nightclub, kills half of them, right? Remember that? When that came out, when that massacre happened, uh, Representative Blumenauer, my congressman, uh, tweeted out about it. And Randy uh, called out Representative Blumenauer because... Representative Blumenauer is, uh, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but, but, but Blumenauer is in support of marijuana legalization, a public health policy that's, that's harmful, but is condoning or is, is condemning uh, a shooting massacre. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, 
it doesn't make any sense. Randy was trying to say basically uh, that Representative Blumenauer is a hypocrite because he supposedly so cares about the public uh, well-being to condemn a shooting massacre and, and the lax gun laws leading to it. Um, but he wouldn't. But he supports the public health disaster that is marijuana legalization. And he was roundly criticized by lots of people saying, what the fuck? You're comparing a madman spraying bullets in a nightclub to the legalization of a non-toxic substance that never killed anybody. So th- this was a big scandal and, and uh, got a lot of play throughout social media. It got Kevin Sabet's attention and Kevin Sabet sacked Randy for that. So I haven't heard from Randy in a while and I just went on break and I took a look at my Twitter feed and there he was. And he was linking back to the story that I wrote for, um, for uh, weednews.co. It's been reprinted in the Oregon Cannabis Connection. And it's my story on Terrence Crutcher. Terrence Crutcher, the uh, unarmed black man in Tulsa who had his hands over his head and was complying with officers when he was shot and killed by one of them. And I'd written this piece, this long piece, on how the drug war is exacerbating this, uh, this police disdain for black lives. And, and I make the point that because the drug war and the prohibition creates gangs and violence, and then that's concentrated in minority neighborhoods. And after a few generations of all the, the violence around prohibition happening in minority neighborhoods, the public develops this stereotype that young black men are inherently criminal and violent. That was the point of the whole essay. So Randy was offended by that. And he writes, quote, wow. You wrongfully accuse me of using a death to push my agenda, and here you are actually doing it. Well, it's good to know that Randy still can't make a decent analogy (laughs) because the two situations are nothing alike. First of all, I didn't accuse you of using a death to push your agenda. You used deaths multiple and were falsely comparing a shooting massacre that kills people to an herb that does not. Whereas what I am doing is pointing out how the death involved here, Terrence Crutcher, that's not pushing my agenda. That's evidence of the need for my agenda. The point I'm making is that the killing of unarmed black people by police, the whole black lives matter movement owes a great deal to the racist war on drugs, a war on drugs that was started for explicitly racist purposes. Randy Ehrlichman's quote from the Harper magazine on how they criminalized cannabis and heroin to undermine the hippies and the blacks as they were gaining political power. Explicit, explicitly racist to go back even further in time to the original Harrison Narcotics Acts and the Marijuana Tax Act and the Opium Acts and all these original early 20th century prohibitionary drug laws that are the foundation of our drug war were also explicitly racist. The cocaine crazed Negroes, the attacks upon white women by the coked up Negroes that would disobey white authority and be superhuman. There's no comparison, Randy. You have committed, yet again, an epic fail. 
Now, before we uh, leave, we've got to update you on this poll coming out of Nevada. Oh, good news, folks. KTNV Rasmussen poll. Channel 13 there in Las Vegas says out of 800 voters that were surveyed, 53% support question two and only 39% oppose. That's up from a 50 to 41 poll that was conducted back in July. Support is increasing in the state of Nevada for marijuana legalization. All right, folks, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks for joining us. Time flies when you legalize. We'll be back tomorrow with more news and views you can use for the cannabis community. We'll have our guest from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, Sheriff Paul Stigleiter, and Alex Rogers on the ICBC in Vancouver. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you're 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 it, you